It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Okay, hello. Hello, hello. Um, we just have to have a little special. Mental health minute, which we did last week as well, where we jump on a call. <laughs> Mental health minute? Where we jump on a call and I'm like, one of us is just, the vibe is off because life, because of life. Maybe. And then I was like, I can tell I'm projecting this negative energy out. And I, and then we just had a big just rambling discussion about everything. And now I feel... It was weird because last week you were projecting that but you weren't feeling it and this week you weren't projecting it but you were feeling it so <laughs> yeah. this is why we have to have a mental health minute to just check the vibes check in yeah i actually well the thing is is mornings as we've as i've mentioned before which i found out is a real thing are worse for people who have depression or can be because it's there's a specific term, which I literally wrote about in an article and now can't remember, uh, that, yeah, that it, like your symptoms are worse in the morning. I don't know why, but I think it's just you wake up and you and you feel really stressed and, and stuff. So then I am always a bit of a mess in the morning and I'm like, I have so much to do. I'm so busy. And then by about 12 p.m. I'm just like I've ticked off all the to-do list and I'm like watching Indian Matchmaker. That's nice. I... Have started watching Bridgerton again. Oh, the new one. I just love Bridgerton. Why do I love Bridgerton? I just love it. I know. I, love it. I, I saw the out. new ones like, oh. pop up and I was like, a bit of grace. <laughs> I know one woman who will be excited. I audition. know I'm not unique because it's like the biggest show in the row, but God. Shonda just knows how to make some juicy, horny TV. I want you to be on season four. Of Bridgerton? <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine being a little... <laughs> I always think when I watch like um, Jane Austen, like the movie, like the whatever movies and stuff, just like how ugly I would look in that era. I think that all the time. I have a face <laughs> that's made for now. Like if I wore a bonnet. <laughs> big faces. We have big faces. A big face with our hair all curled up behind. No, no man would like fall in love with us and want us to live in fucking Haberfield Hall or whatever it's, the places are called. That's really funny because I was watching Mona Lisa Smile on the weekend, which I'd, I'd never seen Love. it before. Have you seen it? That Yes, that movie is 
a bit of Isabel Truman. That's like an AI bot made a movie for you. Julia, we've got Julia, Believe we've it. got Kirsten Stewart, so Kirsten Dunst. Oh my god, we've got yeah, we've got Julia <laughs> Roberts, Julia Styles. Julia Styles, Connie Britton, um, Kurt- Connie Britton's in yeah. It. So the why why I brought that up just now is because Connie Britton is as she was, and he's not that just not that into you, the ugly girl who can't get a boyfriend. And I was like, she's literally beautiful, and she just has a, so a round face. And she was the one that Hollywood cast in every single role of being like, we need an ugly girl who can't get a boyfriend. I didn't know she was in anything like before being the mom in Friday Night Lights. So mm. I don't even know what that yeah, is. I missed that. So I, <laughs> it's like a TV show about. I don't know, soccer players, football players. Wait, have I got the right person? Am I saying the right name? It's feeling wrong in my head. Like Connie Britton does is giving me period drama. Oh my god. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This is the girl I mean. Why have I got Jennifer Goodwin? (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer Goodwin, yes, yes. Jennifer Goodwin. She was always like the mean girl. She was like the annoying wife. She was. She's, but she's the one that can't get a boyfriend. Where she, and he's just not that into you. Remember? Yeah. And in literally in Mona Lisa smile. Everything you were saying before is making sense. Yes. Sorry. Um. <laughs> yes, it's the round face. She, she was played Johnny Cash's wife in Walk the Line, and it's like we all want to marry Reese. We don't want to be married to Jennifer. Like, I feel bad for her. Yeah, same. It's more her energy than her face. I think. Yeah, she has the she has the profoundly positive energy. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, I had for some. I know that I've looked through Julia Roberts' entire IMDb and gone down the list and tried to watch every movie because, as someone who doesn't know film or or you know, like directors or anything that well. I feel like she's the only person that I've ever been like, I'm going to watch her whole back catalog as people do to like Tarantino. And then I, I know, so I know I've seen that before, but then for some reason it never piqued my interest. And then I was scrolling and saw it and had a beautiful Friday night and watching it. Also, it has that thing of the thing that I think all women our age or like of our generation or just women in general love watching movies and shows set in school especially single sex schools i'm just like so true give me more of that all i want to see is these girls in their university i'm i'm more into because i think we're a bit older now but yeah yeah lots of girls together and julia roberts is the for anyone who hasn't seen it, it came out in 2003 and i didn't know and i just listened to the one of the girlies on the close friends just sent through um an episode of sentimental garbage that they did on Mona Lisa Smile. So I watched the movie and then I listened to the podcast about it. Um, and they were talking about how it was like super controversial when it came out in 2003 and it was like critically panned and everyone hated it. Wait, there's someone else in it massive who we just didn't say. Um, what's her face? Jake Gyllen- Maggie Gyllenhaal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A real all-star lineup. I remember it being panned when it came out and I remember renting it from like video easy when I was, I must've been like 10 or 11. So I, I think a lot of it went over my head, but I remember the iconic scene with Julia Roberts and Kirsten Dunst. And she's like, don't disrespect me just cause I'm married. And she says, I can't remember, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So Julia Roberts goes <laughs> to Wellesley. 
girls' school, which is the school Hillary Clinton went to, and it's set in the mm-hmm. 1950s. And Julia Roberts is this teacher from California who comes and they're the smartest woman in the whole world going to the school and she comes to teach them art history and she realizes that it's essentially just what is the word there was like a, a term for it like a holding school or something where basically all the all the girls were there just waiting to get married so they were never actually going to do anything with their careers they were just smart mm. and studying while they primed themselves for, for marriage I mean, that sounds nice to me now. <laughs> I know. Days. I know. <laughs> we didn't have to get jobs. I know. And then Julia Roberts, yeah, was like pushing against <laughs> it and just being like, you're the smartest girls in the world. And Kirsten Dunst was this horrible bitch who, yeah, just wanted to get married and kept bullying um, Jennifer Goodwin. <laughs> <laughs> Does it stand up? Like, is it, do you, do you think it was unfairly? Forgot to say, unfairly. bad cameo by Dominic West. I literally screamed when I saw you put up that. Um, Couldn't believe it. On the close friends. Because so I was checking in on Jake's belated thing and it was there. Yeah. Way to ruin my weekend. <laughs> um, he, yeah, I think it, I liked it. I mean, it's a very Isabel Truman film. <laughs> so I liked yeah. it. It was an easy watch. I love watching those women work. I just love watching I think all of those actresses are just so captivating in their own way and all of them together. It was just so great to watch. And then I think like what a few points that sentimental garbage pulled out was like a few plot parts of the storyline, like the Dominic West love story between him and Julia Roberts really needn't never like should didn't make any sense at all. Even if he wasn't a filthy pig, It, it was just like, there was no point of that even existing. And it also just took away from her, her character's like morals and stuff in such a weird way. And it just didn't even go anywhere anyway. It was, it was so random. So there were, there were points that were, that were kind of weird, but all in all loved it. 10 out of 10. What's the backstory? Was it like directed by a woman? Directed by men. And, and then it, it panned because people basically at the time were essentially just being like, this film was just made about a bunch of girls in a school. It didn't even go anywhere that it didn't say enough about feminism at the time. Like it was just, it was people were giving these really harsh reviews when I don't know, it was just like a film. There's so many films like that about men. And also it was saying something like maybe it didn't ham at home as much as people would have liked in 2000. I don't know. 2003 Mm -hmm. was just such a weird time for that movie to come out I think but they were saying that it was the first film that Julia Roberts that was like really critically panned in Julia Roberts career right yeah because and it was it's kind of a serious film whereas Runaway Bride was the other one but that was just like a rom-com yeah yeah that's like the moment that the um Julia Roberts like non-stop hit train Mm. came to a came to a halt yeah even though she does such an incredible performance in Kirsten Dunst is, is amazing. I know we've said it before, but like Julia Roberts, there just never, never was, never will be a movie star like Julia. Like just Don't have to tell me twice. Face was made to light up a big screen. So charming, so beautiful, so captivating. Just 
end of an era, really. Well, I haven't even seen the new rom-com she's in with George Clooney. Apparently it's dire. Obviously is not going to be good, but just to see her face in it and, and, and his and, and, and George. <laughs> and George. A bit of George. But yeah, obviously it's not going to be good. I don't know why they did that. It's so hard. It must be quite hard to like, I don't know, know what to do now for someone like, for someone like Julia, who she, she mostly does a Gwyneth and just chills in Malibu and like looks after her kids. But unlike Gwyneth, who actively like hates acting, <laughs> Julia's probably, mm. probably wants to get back into it, but there's no roles for her. She needs to do a serious uh, Jessica Biel spin. Yes, I think she tried to. I think she did like a few years ago that um, it was like an Amazon or an Apple show. Yeah. Do you remember? And it just went nowhere. She's made a couple of bad choices. I feel like she's got bad people around her. Like that one with George Clooney. I don't know. I'm pretty cynical. I feel like that was just a cash. They just got offered like a stupid amount of cash. In which case, I'm like, if you're going to pay a stupid amount of cash, why not just get a good script? Yeah. You know? Can't be that hard. Yeah. What was the one she did? It was a few years ago and it was about, um, it was kind of like a Nicole, what's that Nicole Kidman one? Nine. It was kind of like Nine Perfect Strangers, but for military men who had come back from, oh, from war yes. and had PTSD and then they were in this facility. This is what, this is where it gets crazy. They were in this facility and like drugging them with like acid and stuff to help them overcome PTSD or ketamine or whatever it was. And it was originally released as a podcast series and fucking um, David Schwimmer was one of the voices on it. This is also cursed. Yeah, this is... I listened to it. This is what I was thinking of just then. Yeah. You listen to the podcast, the things you do for Julia. To the podcast. I feel sorry for David Schwimmer. It was the first podcast that was like... It was the podcast was set as if it was as if you were listening to like a TV show. I don't know how to explain that in better words, but it wasn't it wasn't as a normal podcast where they're explaining a thing and it's this investigative episode. It was like fiction. So they were like speaking to mm. each other as characters the whole time, kind of like the Heidi Fleiss thing, but the whole time. <laughs> It was crazy. That is terrible. I do kind of remember that being a thing, the dramatic podcast, but it just mm. makes no logical sense. We should do one. <laughs> Let's write a play and record it together. Oh, wait. The Hyla already did that. Wait, what did they do? They did like a Christmas play and Pandora wrote it and they acted it and it was Did they? It was cute. Yeah. What the fuck? I, we should do one I for so. Bridgerton. <laughs> we should create and get, just get Zach and Amar to be the men. <laughs> let's get extras and get the girlies to to play roles as well jake can that's play a, a great role. idea jake to play we should get J- chat gbt to write it i've just been listening to a lot of ai stuff that's frightening me but have I you love chat gbt yeah do you use it ever not like i don't really use it but sometimes zach and i just to pass an evening just have a bit of fun playing with chat gpt like what? It's pretty funny. And it like just like getting it to write um <laughs> episodes of like shows and stuff. Like if you get it if you like say an episode of Seinfeld but blah 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 happens and it, it starts to like freak out. <laughs> but it's it's really good, which is funny because the writers strike is on at the moment 
don't know if you're across this in LA, big, big news that seems very dry, but a big part of it is apparently because a bunch of studios have been looking at like getting their screenwriting teams to just oversee input into bots basically to write scripts for stuff. And now they're having this huge strike in part. It's to do with other things to do with pay and like streaming services and stuff. But part of it is to do with like putting in legal guidelines that they can't be replaced by AI and all the places are refusing to do it. Yeah, I saw that with one of the big papers. What was it? Like, um, it wasn't the Washington Post, but it, it was like one of the big papers and they basically like laid off half their team and then said that they were going to start relying on AI. Um, and then everyone was just like, wait, are you going to replace us by AI? And their response was like, not right now. <laughs> It's really scary because if you think about like even a a succession or something, I don't know. I feel like if you fed all the existing scripts of succession into a pretty sophisticated, maybe not chat GBT, but like a sophisticated bot, it would, it would pump out eight episodes that were pretty respectable that like a writer's room of a quarter of the size could tighten up. Like, I think we think in it, we have this romantic idea in our heads of like, it would never be the same as the real thing and et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's it's so sophisticated now that there's shit that we would watch that if we were told afterwards it was written by an AI bot, we'd be like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And, and the human element could be tightening up the way we speak and the little quirks mm-hmm. and, and, and gestures and stuff that the AI wouldn't maybe pick up on. But yeah, no, I totally agree. It's, pretty crazy and did you see that another guy so there was the google guy who quit ages ago and was like ai are sentient and we're fucked and google was like no they're not and then uh, um another guy has just come out and spoken to the new york times being like i regret my life's work because this technology is evolving so much faster than we can handle and it's really scary and he was just like i the only way i can sleep at night is by being like if i didn't do it someone else would have and then all of the other guys, like Tess, like Elon and all those people are saying to ChatGPT, the ChatGPT creators company, to slow down because we're not sure about the like world repercussions yet. Like we need to slow down this technology. And then they're just like those guys, which is probably true. Those guys are only saying to slow down because they just want to catch up. So we're not slowing down. And I'm like, okay, everybody. Yeah, this is literally it. Yeah, I was reading about that guy um, you just mentioned today. And what he was basically saying was, I was just like, when people say like AI will annihilate us or overtake humanity, I always think it sounds so dramatic and over the top, but he was like giving tangible real life examples. And I was like, this is so fucking terrifying. So he was saying as as one example, um, say you get to the point where you have like AI automated weapons, which is pretty legit. And if like it hasn't happened yet, will probably happen in the next few years. Um, say Putin gets those and just programs them to like <laughs> – like attack and kill as many ukrainians as possible which is fucking terrifying like there's nothing there's nothing really to say that i'm gonna explain this badly like the technology because it's it's programmed to be smarter than humans it can like get a bigger picture idea of what its purpose is and then turn on humans and it will be able to 
do that because it's part of its programming. Or like a better example would be, say you get an AI bot to try to figure out how to solve climate change and it figures out that the best way to solve climate change Kill is us to all. wipe humans off the face of the earth. <laughs> yeah. Like it, how much this guy was basically just saying like how much more advanced it is and how much more advanced it will be in the next five to 20 years, even as someone who like invented this technology is terrifying and no one who's in the field has any concept of like how we rein it in, how we regulate it, how we make sure this shit that's possible doesn't happen because we all have this idea that humans are still the ones controlling it. But what he said, which I found really terrifying is he's like, there's no example in human history of a less intelligent group ruling over a more intelligent group. Like it's always the more intelligent group rules over the less intelligent group. So the idea that we're going to be in control of technology that's far, far, far more intelligent than us doesn't make logical sense. And by that, you mean like humans and animals, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, like hu- yeah, humans and animals, yeah. basically, yeah. Um, or like, yeah, sport, like frogs and <laughs> what is what? Frogs however, the, however, the chain of evolution happened. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like yeah. Bugs and frogs, spiders and flies, like whatever. Yeah, I know. It's 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 really terrifying. I got in a little AI hole as well a few months ago. What did you just listen to? Um, that. Guardian pod today in focus. No, yeah, someone just last yeah. week was like, "Can you guys please put in the show notes what you're talking about?" Because I want to listen to it after. And I was like, "Oh, uh, <laughs> we need an in- we need work. an intern." Um, but yeah, it is. It's really scary, and it's what's really scary about it is obviously everyone's. I don't know. I'm just like, how are we so short sighted with everything? Like, how are we so short sighted again? That we're chasing money, these companies are chasing money and wanting to be the first to put out these technologies in such a rush that they're going to kill us all. Like I'm like, we're going to be dead, so you're not going to be able to spend your money. Yeah, it's like the cap, the how far the capitalist project has gone is is just so insane. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's so it's, insane. That, it's on another. <laughs> example and just a slower but still very fast thing is the climate change it's like once you realize that governments know how to solve climate change and they're just not doing it like we have solutions for climate change that we're not doing because it will mean that they're going to lose money so we're just killing the entire planet and it's getting to the point now where it's like we're almost at the point of like no return but no one cares they're like we'll just do this little paris agreement and then no one sticks to it and yeah, that's not that wasn't even like covering the basis of what actually the huge changes that need to happen to actually stop it. Like we're still building fucking like coal mines and and stuff. It's that's like very similar to ChatGPT. ChatGPT is just like faster. Yeah, yeah. and it's like the knock-on effects of it. So I read this amazing, amazing article this week. It's so long. Um, it's in the monthly. And I can't remember her name. She's an Australian writer, Sarah, Sarah Krasnostein. And she wrote that book, The Trauma Cleaner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She wrote this this article about the – I don't know if you would have been across this because it was in Australia and I think it, I kind of missed it, where two police – like six people were killed in this rural Queensland town where 
this basically group of three people had become super COVID conspiracy theorists and the police came to their house and they killed the police officers and their neighbor and then they were killed by police officers in the car. It was like a huge oh my story God. that I totally missed. It was massive, like Waco kind of vibes. But this whole piece that Sarah wrote is just about like how disaffected and disillusioned and lonely people become when they feel like society has just moved on and forgotten about them and just how we have because we're so driven now the super american thing of just being so driven by like money (laughs) earning earning like we don't have any sense of community anymore i know this sounds like a very old school thing to say but it, it really is people get incredibly isolated and just the fact that we've moved technology has moved us so far so quickly that a lot of people are being left behind and the like we're not creating an infrastructure for it and it's like sending people into these nutso youtube holes because the only places they're finding community is in these like crazy um online holes like that that's so tragic that that just happened but it reminded me of uh recently on twitter there's been this huge like outcry because one of the main incels of has left the incel community because he got a girlfriend <laughs> and he did this he's he's called the lebron james of incels and on twitter yeah. it was going crazy because he like released a statement just being like thank you all i've enjoyed being part of this community but i'm no longer here anymore and everyone went crazy they're saying this is the equivalent of lebron retiring <laughs> Yeah, and Rolling Stones wrote a piece on it. A 33-year-old incel, commissage, a moderator, yeah, a moderator of the forum, um, yeah, has caused a stir by announcing his departure due to sexual activities. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like, it's, it, when, it reminded me of that when you were saying, like, people get so, like, upset and angry and, whatever when they feel like society's left them behind and that's like the whole incel community yeah i think there's like some crazy statistics now on how little men men aged between like 20 and 30 like how little they have sex like i think it's something like only a third have had sex in the last year or or, i'm pulling that number out of my ass like some crazy amount and it's like boys are they're now considering holding boys down a year in schooling because they're just women are outperforming them at like such massive massive levels we're ai need to correct <laughs> we're ai but people are basically that was a thing in this article like the kind of neoliberal experiment that we're, we're now in where like manual labor has been replaced with kind of more thinking jobs that require more emotional intelligence and skills like and certain degrees of like old school sexist things like zero maternity leave and you know obviously it's not perfect by any means now but like all these progress progressions we've had women are like soaring in this environment and men really don't know where to find themselves or how to exist in this world and I think for so long we've treated that with like an eye roll and a like oh who gives a shit kind of thing because it's still been so important like men are still it's still a patriarchy and obviously men aren't fucking like oppressed but I think there is this this thing that's happening now where there's this like young generation of men who are just being outpaced by women and they don't know how to handle it. And I think it is kind of 
like tragic that they don't have a framework <laughs> yeah it's also very easy for us to eye roll about it where we live and like around the the kinds of people we interact with and where we grew up but it's like imagine if you're in middle america and you're raised by a really conservative mm. family and you have this view of the world and and how it should be and then you it's like they all need to watch mona lisa smile <laughs> yes that's <laughs> When I become president, <laughs> every boy will watch Mona Lisa smile once a year. Um, but yeah, it's so true. It's like a really um, interesting, weird thing that's happening. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I forgot to tell you why I have my headphones plugged in right now and do you know what it is <laughs> i have been desperate to know. <laughs> so i'm usually on earpods and i the only reason that i am have these plugged in is because my earpods are without a doubt a hundred percent um getting thrown around the washing machine right now um. in a wash cycle and i can't even be fucked i was like good riddance i couldn't even be bothered good when riddance, i realized honestly. going down to like try and salvage them i was just like oh get fucked I bet you they just won't be and they'll just pop up somewhere again and you'll be stuck with them. They don't even fit in my fucking ears. I don't understand how people <laughs> use these things. The normal ones, before they before they made AirPods Pro, the normal ones, completely fine. I would go running, no problemo. The fucking AirPods Pro, every single time I run further than like 5K and get a bit sweaty, they're just like falling out all over the show. I can't listen to my podcast. Yeah. Can't do anything. I don't have a pro. You don't have pros? I, I didn't like until I lost my current ones at a hotel and they pretended they weren't there even though I could see them on my find my thing and then I bought pros and then I hate them and now they're in the washing machine (laughs) (laughs) I like cannot lose I always think I've lost my airpods and they always like pop back up again and they're just like a horrible friend that you don't want to (laughs) see arriving in my life I know okay speaking of men Let's dedicate yep. this episode to the men of this world. Um, we're going to do... We know you're struggling. <laughs> we know you're struggling. So we wanted to point out the hot ones, not the incels, the hot ones. So there's a piece yep. on the face about what makes a heartthrob, which was, came out a few weeks ago and is super interesting. And it basically just talks about how the whole world, just out of out of nowhere, but also because of The Last of Us, just got obsessed with Pedro Pascal and he's become... Just like our ultimate new heartthrob, him walking the... He's he's really led into it in such a sexy and classy way, walking the Met steps in his little red short shorts. Um, and the culture is 
obsessed and they just basically it's kind of like the new york magazine's it girl piece they did for heartthrob men yes the companion piece so this writer says from elvis's swiveling hips and brad pitt's glistening abs to paul newman's baby blues idris elba's intense gaze and timothy chalamet's bedhead whatever your generation's particular predilection one thing is certain for a sweet blip of time it drove you to destruction so it's like this idea that the heartthrob embodies something specific about that generation which i find interesting because i feel like at like yeah brad pitt's abs in thelma and louise in particular it's just not a thing now like people just don't that's that just does not embody the current heartthrob the heartthrob now has to have like something a bit different going on yeah the heartthrob now has to be a bit of a soft boy And I mean, I think it kind of reflects how women actually, the men women are actually attracted to IRL. Because it's like we'd be attracted to the Brad Pitts on screen because they're hot. But in real life, we'd be attracted to like the skinny Timothy Chalamets who are a bit weird. Yes. And soft boys. The heartthrob has become more aligned with, yeah, what we want instead of what hollywood men tell us we want exactly so yeah obviously obviously there's like the artsy ones there's the pedro pascals there's the harry styles harry styles's moment is over though yeah truly (laughs) i think what's interesting what i find interesting about the heartthrobs now i think there was definitely an era where like it mentions it's interest. it's actually interesting because it's like mentions ryan from the oc but everyone no one i know actually had a crush on ryan they all had a crush on seth and it's like is the bad boy i feel like the bad boy was such an archetype of our youth but i guess now the bad boy is just an artsy bad boy <laughs> i don't know I, like i find that idea funny of like it's it's switched from the kind of i think i think because of me too and discussions about like male violence nowadays ev- ev- like what every heartthrob has in common is that they that jacked kind of gets in a street fight whereas a leather jacket thing just comes across as like scary and not hot now mm-hmm. Because we know what red flags are and like yeah. <laughs> and spot when men haven't been to therapy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I can't the sexiest thing about this entire piece is where did this writer find this hero photo of Pedro Pascal holding up a bottle of Castillero del Diablo, which is the red wine that like every single person drinks in London from the fucking offy. That is so yeah. Just like the nine pound Sainsbury's red wine. Yeah, that's. Didn't we used to drink that? Didn't we oh, used to yeah. drink that for the pod? That exact wine. I certainly think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 like that. Him holding that wine. Yeah, it's even just like he looks so fucking. Hot. He looks so hot, and it's just being in with the culture and knowing that that, knowing that he's like signaling to us by holding that up with his little shirt unbuttoned. So what do you think? Because I'm like, I think what makes it, I think what makes him a great case study in it is because it's, it's, 
It's as though he doesn't know, but he does know. Whereas someone like Harry Styles and Timothy Chalamet are too young, I think, to play it properly. And they just really leaned into it in this like annoying soft boy way. Whereas Pedro Pascal is just a bit older and he's kind of like, I'm doing my own thing, whatever. And then he'll just wear shorts on the Met Gala red carpet and we're like, he does know. He's just really clever. I think the secret to Pedro Pascal is, and the writer mentions this in this piece, is that he seems sexless. Like, and I don't know if that's really good marketing by him or if he's just like asexual or like keeps his relationship super private or whatever. But I think the fact that there's no romance, like he's not attached to anyone in our brain romantically. He doesn't even really, even in like The Last of Us, he played a dad. He played like a caring dad. He didn't even really have like a girlfriend in it. Yeah. You know, he was kind of sexless in that show as well. Well, he had that girlfriend, this, but that was that was such a weird sexless relationship. Yeah, <laughs> Nobody believed exactly. that. They knocked her off early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were all like, phew. Yeah. Let's that was, I feel like she was so badly cast. I was like, I don't believe yeah, this same. for a second. <laughs> But I think that's part of it. I think if he dated like Anna de Armas, Isaac Gonzalez, him. yeah, Isaac, you know what I mean. If he dated some really hot person, I think it would break the spell. And in some ways, I think he's either hyper aware of that, and or it's it's we're actually just responding to something about him, which is that he's very charming and sexy, perhaps because he feels kind of unthreatening or he feels paternal in this weird way or he just doesn't read sleazy whereas i think the younger ones all read sleazy because we're so aware of like you know as you were speaking i was like the only way he could do it is to do a keanu reeves and then i see that she mentioned keanu reeves in the piece saying yes that he's been become hot in the last four decades i would say literally last four years for me with and then he and then he just cemented it with his hot artsy older woman girlfriend who just alexandra grant who he just like pashes on the red carpet i love it i want to get a tattoo of those two on the red carpet same that's yeah yeah that's i agree he became hot when they started yeah yeah that's what pedro pedro should do next but i think that's part of it and i think that's what's funny is yeah there's something there's something funny about how like our perception of heartthrobs change as they have more relationships, you know, like Harry Styles just had this brief little glorious moment and now it's just been burst. Harry Styles has slept with like upwards of seven girls that I know. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like he needs to chill. Yeah. Yeah. He needs to stop. It's like Bieber. Like, you know how everyone had like a bit of a soft spot for Bieber after that, after boyfriend came yeah. out. And then you just found out that like everyone you knew, knew someone who'd been to like a concert a and, and had been their pulled, phones taken yeah, away from the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Are we slut shaming these boys? Like, I'm like, is no, this- no, I'm just like, okay, he did. He, he very likely has slipped with like three of the Kardashians. Like that's too many. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It reminds me in a really funny way of what I think we're going to probably speak about on the Patreon is, but I would like to briefly speak about it now is Gwyneth's 
call her daddy interview mm. where Alex Cooper was like asking if she was just saying, you've got such an amazing track record of dating all these heartthrob men. And she was just like, can you just name one more that we don't know about that you've slept with? And Gwen was like, no, um, but there are heaps basically. And then um, <laughs> Alex Cooper starts guessing and she goes, what about Leo? And Gwen was, uh, and Gwyneth was like, no, he tried, but he's been very loose since he was like 19. <laughs> Giving it yes, away. I wrote that in like caps. Oh my God. Yes. So, so funny. So funny. Just been doing yeah. that since he was 19. So it took, she wouldn't hook up with him. I love it. I love her. She just knows. Yeah. She's always correct. Leo. She's always, always correct. Who would you say is your, I mean, it just changes all the time, doesn't it? I was going to say who, who's your ultimate. Oh, I can't even think for myself. Yeah, I've, I've got a real thing for Adrian Brody, as I think we've talked about oh, before. Yeah. But going to have to go up against old Georgina. I don't think I'm going to win that one. Who's yours? I can't think because I have a memory like a sieve. I'm like, I don't even know who I find attractive. You probably know better than me who I find attractive. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, when I was younger, I like loved Hugh Grant, but that was because of like the rom-coms. I was talking to a friend about this recently and we were saying Dev Patel's pretty like female gaze. Yeah. Like he's so um, hot. Heartthrob energy. He's so hot. And I'm like 90. The last time I checked in, he, you know, he has this gorgeous Australian girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, Tilda. And they live in Adelaide together. Yeah. They just like live there together. I know. It's like literally the most precious thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, he's he's ridiculously hot. Yeah, there are there are men like that that are just around that you kind of forget about, and then you're like, oh, he's so sexy. But Paul Mescal is an interesting one. I just saw him on stage doing Streetcar Named Desire, and he just has these like, he's kind of like squat and broad and he just has these like thick legs i know we're in shorts i know I like, oh, paul put those he's like a rugby player away yeah he's a really he's a an interesting example but i think he's kind of not that much of an interesting example actually because he's kind of just like he's kind of that typical jockey looking guy who looks who looks as though he's dumb and then he surprises us because he's actually smart and cultured yeah which is a very specific section of like turning women on i think if he had i think people would always have fallen in love with him but i think what people really fell in love with with was like seeing connell but i think connell is just like the female gaze incarnate like yeah, a jock who's, like, mean to you in high school and then realizes, yeah. like, you're the most beautiful woman in the world and, like, pines over you for four years and reads literature and, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, that's everyone's dream. So I feel like everyone got confused a bit by that. And I think if just, say, like, After Sun had come out, I do think people would still love him, but I, it would be different. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I wonder who's next. I guess we just can't. You don't know until they're <laughs> until they're in some sort of sexy role. Enter Paul Mescal and Pedro Pascal, both unconventionally hot heartthrobs. They're sensitive and humble, but also sexy. They seem to have a deep well of sadness inside them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's attractive. That's how I kind of feel like, are you up to date with Succession? Like, I, 
you don't even have to be, but just like Alexander Skarsgård this season. Mm. He's too conventionally handsome, but I just find him hot because I feel like he has a a deep full of sadness. Yeah, he's, he's deeply disturbed. Yeah, he's complex. I'm finding Succession boring. Are you? Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I'm the last two episodes. I so the one that came out on Sunday. It's now it's like Tuesday, and I haven't watched it. Um, as in, oh. I've watched half of it, then I kept turning it off and going off and doing other more exciting things, like tidying up. Sad. No, yeah, I'm loving it. But I, I like, I really loved. I found, yeah, I found like the first episode kind of boring. I loved the the big episode, and then have just kind of like I liked the episode when they were at Alexander Skarsgård's team's thing in Europe. But yeah, now I'm just like. Yeah. I don't know. It was on a high and everything since then has felt like yeah. a down. I'm pretty excited. I'm, I, yeah, just need to see how it pans out. I need to, I need to be free from it. Ask ChatGPT and see what they say and see if they're right. If they say the ending will be. <laughs> we should. Yeah. We should ask ChatGPT to do an episode for us. Yeah, I'm really, this is where my fear of AI and my excitement in AI crossover. Imagine getting AI to produce the pod and we just, we just put in a bunch of shit and it's like, bah, 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 girly, girly, bush, shut it. (laughs) (laughs) It probably would sound smarter than us, probably be more interesting. No, but we could use it in a way where we're, where we say what, we say this is what our listeners love to listen to what's happened this week. Yeah. That, yeah, that they might find interesting in the world and they might, it might be able to pull out stuff that we would miss. Yeah. Yeah. Let's try it. Let's have a go. Have you heard of the show that came out called jury duty on Amazon? No, I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard really good things and I'm unsure if it will be up my alley, but I feel like it will be up your alley. And it's a mockumentary style show where they are jury. They're all on jury duty. And apparently it's really, really funny. And I've heard rave reviews and I haven't put it on yet, but that's because I, I don't know how much I like the, the mockumentary style thing. Like I didn't love that, um, that one, (laughs) the one with the guy who set up all the, (laughs) set up all the situations (laughs) Oh, Nathan, for you. Yeah, yeah. Has to be good. So, yeah, you should – we should both watch it and see if it's good. And then the other one I want to okay, watch I'm is down. is Swarm, which is that one that we, I think, briefly talked about that Donald Glover made, and it's oh. also on Amazon, and it's about a fan, a super fan, and it's based on Beyonce, but the in real life – Sorry, in the show, the singer's named something different and she's obsessed with her and then goes crazy and starts, like, murdering people. That sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. And it's so based on the Beyonce, on Beyonce, that at one point she's dating a girl and the girl says, I'm not a huge fan of her. I like her sister better. (laughs) And apparently it's, yeah, crazy. It's really dark and, like, makes you want to have a hot shower afterwards, but... But good. Two Ooh. two wrecks that I have okay. not yet watched that we should all watch as a collective. Yeah. Two great wrecks. Yeah. Movie, TV, TV show club. 
I've been watching Barry, which is on after Succession on HBO. Oh, yeah. What do you think of it? I actually, I actually really like it. I, I feel like I liked the first season, lost me for a bit, pulled me back in. I really like Bill Hader. So Yeah, I haven't started it yet, but apparently one of the writers for Barry goes to the Pilates studio I go to, and the Pilates um, teacher is crazy and she always says she she just talks and talks and talks and kind of relays her love life and all this stuff and then she said that the writer from barry wrote de- stopped doing pilates and was writing down what she said to put it into the show ah <laughs> that's cool he's <laughs> so fun being a um tv writer yeah he's so intimidating but so fun yeah I mean, I, yeah, I guess your brain would just switch and you would start to listen and which is what we should do. And I can never get my brain into that mentality of like looking for a story when I'm out and about and just being, I just think literally one of my biggest, one big flaw is that I'm just so not that curious. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just not that curious. Someone will be like, like someone will just be like, AI is going to kill us all. And I'll be like, yeah, probably, but I won't like delve into it that much or or i guess when my add brain gets stuck on something it'll get like so stuck on one specific thing but it's like quite hard to get me roped in do you think it's an add thing or do you think it's a i don't know partly sometimes sometimes i think part of it is like not wanting i think sometimes especially when i'm talking to other people i'll come off as more nonchalant because i because if i don't know something if i don't know about something i don't want to sound stupid so I'll kind of just be like, oh right. yeah. But then also I just think I won't I won't go home later and like look it up. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's interesting. You're very curious. Yeah, I feel like I'm quite a curious yeah. girl. It's such a it's such a nice way to be. Well, yeah, I don't know. I wonder if it'll make a difference now with your like having the ability to focus more yeah. and change it. I have found little things with the meds, um, I mean, it's been really hard because I've, I've been taking my ADD meds for a month, but this whole month has been really disruptive. So it's been um, just like my boyfriend came over and then we went to like Mexico City and like nothing has been in routine. So it's been kind of hard to figure out if my productivity has been better. But then with little things like on the plane to Mexico, I brought the Paris rev- Review and then I read it front to back, the whole thing without stopping. That's cr- crazy. Yeah. <laughs> right unheard of you're like i read my new yorker when it arrived i mean i've got like 18 <laughs> of those that are just like collecting dust on the floor i'm like why am i, I subscribed to, to this the it girl yeah. it, the it girl one i just found in my letterbox and i was like well i've already read all of this shit online <laughs> that's great though but I, yeah i read it from front to back and then the man beside me goes oh am i sitting beside an intellectual <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're sitting beside someone on ADD yes, meds, sir. That's true. That's that's. I would just take a second look. Yeah, There's someone that just sat and powered through from start to. That's like insane. Even the poems, and I was like, I don't even find these interesting. <laughs> Those anything like that, like review of books, New Yorker, even New York, like they should come out. Two or three times a year. How that often does the Paris often. Review come out? It's I actually don't know. Because what is it's is nearly this... weekly, I think. Wait, is this what is this? Uh yes. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm thinking the Paris Review of 
books. Right. This is just like a book, but it has a bunch of different... Yeah, that's giant, Izzy. It has a bunch of different poems, interviews with authors, and short stories in it. It's so... It was so special. And it had a big interview with Mary Gatskill, who I love. Um, I love her too. Yeah, she's so great. And she she was... uh, just talking about the art of fiction and and her writing process, and I find that so interesting. I love hearing about people's different processes, but would love to hear from um, just like journalists as well. Yeah, yeah, that's the the processes thing is so 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 interesting. I feel like it's so nice when you read enough of what other people do because then you just realize there's no correct way to do something. Like you just have to find whatever works to make you get something yeah done. mary gatskill was saying that she can't write more than like a paragraph a day she was just like i can't do it i i i find it really hard i do not find writing easy and i think what they what they make you feel is that it should just pour out or i don't know that's so funny you say that because i was watching a I mentioned I was reading a book by Jeffrey. I feel really bad. I can't say his name and I still haven't looked it up. But Jeffrey, you, Eugenides, Eugenides, ah, <laughs> the guy who wrote Middlesex and Virgin Suicides. I was watching a like talk on YouTube that he did with Zadie Smith and they were saying the same thing. They were like, I will sit at my desk and try and write from like eight till three. And if I get like a good 400 words, I've had a really good day. And I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you write a book? Like, aren't books like 100,000 words? I know, but that takes them years and years and years. I'm trying to And I think that's like sitting and finessing one piece of writing for a day, do you think? Or do you think that's just physically getting it out of your body? Well, I don't know, because I also don't, I don't, for me, I I think I liked listening to when Roxane Gay did her uh, masterclass. And she was just like, just get the words out instead of yeah. sitting and trying. And that's how I work because my memory is like a sieve. So if I don't get the words out as I'm thinking them, just just write and write and write and then go back and edit and cut stuff out later and be like, no, that was shit. And then I'll redo that paragraph or I'll delete a whole paragraph and start the intro again. Um, she That's what she said and that's kind of what I do. But I don't know what these people are doing. She said... Um, yeah, so here, how much can you write on a good day? Sometimes it's only a paragraph. I think the most I've ever written in one go is four pages. This woman has so many books. I can't remember the last time that happened. As for the stories in Bad Behavior, which is amazing. If you guys haven't got that book of her short stories, she said, with the exception of heaven, each took me about a month to draft. And they're just, they're short stories. I guess a month working on a short story isn't that long, but when, but when you, because that's the thing. It's like when you're actually doing something daily, you will like do it. Yeah, it's like everything it happens. Consi- it's just consistency. <laughs> yeah, it will happen consi- slowly. It's like showing up and doing yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's so fucking hard. And I think when you want to do fiction, it's like the hardest part is your first thing because that's the thing that you don't like. In an ideal world, you write something and and people think it's at least good enough that you can get like an advance to do something else. Then you can just write for your job. But like when you're doing all of this shit to get paid and then trying to find like time within that to mm. do something fiction. That's like, was so fucking hard. So fucking hard. Okay. Little long winded rambling based off the back of the fact that my mug was on top of the Paris review. Um, 
and we gotta go over to patreon yep love you guys bye girlies planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.